Hello everyone and welcome to Murray's Minutes, a new bi-weekly podcast series by myself, Murray Minutes 75. Um, this is going to be a new weekly podcast series talking from everything from football to mental health and everything in between. Uh, I'm going to try and speak about many as many uh, subjects as I possibly can uh, in the time that I'm allowed. So hopefully uh, you'll enjoy my ramblings and hopefully you'll enjoy uh, what I've got to say. But this is episode one of hopefully more. Uh, so we'll see how we got on with us just now. Okay, so let's start off our new uh, podcast series with uh, the most obvious subject. Let's have a wee word about football. And uh, as I say, I am going to be speaking about football, but it's not going to be necessarily everything to do with Hibs. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. that's my Scottish football team. It's not going to be everything to do with them. It's going to be as many things as possible football-related. Uh, and this week, it's been quite quite busy, it has to be said. Uh, it's never a dull uh, Never a dull time to be a football fan, I think that's fair to say. So uh, let's just fire on into it. And the first thing that I really want to speak about is obviously the situation regarding Manchester United just now. Um, where to really begin with Manchester United? I think that we have, uh, we're witnessing uh, a fallen dynasty, I think that's fair to say, when Manchester United are concerned. Uh, they obviously are uh, really, really struggling post-Ferguson era, which I think is probably fair to say, to be honest. Obviously, it's been six years since Sir Alex Ferguson called it quits at Manchester United, and uh, obviously when he left them, they were Premier League champions. Uh, They had done quite well in that season's Champions League, and everything was looking quite rosy. Since then, obviously, they have not been Premier League champions in six years. They've only finished inside the top four twice in these six years and the rest of the time they've been really really underwhelming Uh, they've obviously had four managers in that time David Moyes, Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho and now Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Uh, is it fair to say that the managers are being given a fair crack of the whip? I'm going to leave that open for debate Um, managers obviously are struggling at Manchester United just now whether that is down to the new I don't know, the new kind of standard, the expectation. I don't really know how to how to uh, bring this up, but Manchester United just now, obviously under Sir Alex Ferguson, had almost three decades of success where they won the Premier League title 13 times, two Champions Leagues, X amount of FA Cups and all the other trophies in between. Sir Alex Ferguson gave them, they were a dynasty. They were one of the biggest, if not the biggest club in the world. Um, and when he obviously called it quits, they've went back to what they were before Sir Alex Ferguson. Yes, a big name, but I think they're more of a brand than anything else. At this moment in time, there is no reason to say that Manchester United could do anything in a title race. I don't believe that you could actually sit there and say that they have got the momentum there to actually take them forward and win the league. I think that's fair to say. Um, They don't look anywhere near the side that they were when Sir Alex Ferguson was in charge. There is no real fight in my eyes uh, for what I can see. And it's a conversation that obviously I've had with a good few of my friends, you know, just now that the fact that Manchester United don't have the team leaders that they that they did at one, at one point in time. If you think about a Manchester United team for the past, you think about players like Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, David Beckham, um, the Neville brothers... Roy Keane, you know, just fighters, battlers in the middle of the pitch. 
uh, in and around the pitch, I beg your pardon. But these guys were leaders in their own way. They were leaders, whereas now they don't have that. They're relying on somebody like Marcus Rashford to be their main man. Well, that's not going to work because, to me, Marcus Rashford is is a young man. He's still learning his way in the game. Do I believe he's as hyped up as what um, the papers are leading you to believe? Not particularly. Um, I don't believe he's as big as what as big as big what he could be. Um, you know, they're, they're relying quite a lot on Daniel James. Daniel James, obviously, just signed from Swansea in the summer. You know, he's made a good impact, you know, scoring a few goals. But is he the man that could get them 20, 25 goals a season? Not really. They sold their main man in, in, in the goal-scoring department in Romelu Lukaku to Inter Milan. Uh, they obviously done a good thing by getting Alexis Sanchez off their wage bill uh, by loaning him out to Inter Milan as well. But, I mean, man, as I say, Manchester United just now, they don't have, in my opinion, the leaders there that can really get them through this really, really dark time. And it's a shame because, you know, at one point in time, Manchester United were the team to watch. I don't believe that they're anywhere near as good as what they are um, or what they used to be. That's I think that's for damn sure. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see um, how they go with that. Staying with English football just now, it's been quite a quite an interesting week where English football is concerned. Uh, if anybody watched the absolutely sickening scenes that happened in Bulgaria during the international break, mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll understand um, what I'm talking about. It was absolutely disgusting scenes in Bulgaria, seeing people doing Nazi salutes and um, doing monkey chants and things like that to the black English players. It's just absolutely disgusting that in 2019 we've still got this um, cloud hanging over the game. Um, I've heard people say that the England players should have just walked off the pitch. I've also heard people saying that they've done the right thing by doing the UEFA protocol, you know, the three strikes and everything like that. So, personally speaking, if it were me, I think they probably should have walked off the pitch. Um, to show to show UEFA, to show FIFA that they're not going to stand for this anymore. Um, personally speaking, I believe that that's the right thing to do. If it were me and if I were in charge of UEFA, um, I would be saying, you know, if a player from any opposing team is um, being subject to racial abuse, the team has got the right to walk off. And if they walk off, that match is forfeited, and uh, the team of the racially abused racially abused player is uh, awarded the three points or the, the, the cup tie. It's only going to be when something like that happens that this is going to stop because you can find these guys however much you want. It's not going to make any real difference because obviously the Bulgarian FA, I think were fined £20,000 recently um, for the similar similar outbreak of racist uh, abuse. Obviously that didn't stop them. They've not stopped the whole time, even when their own national captain pleaded with them to stop um it didn't work obviously um and the next thing you know the game carried on the abuse carried on and nothing nothing changed i don't think that by doing doing what doing what they're doing now with it in terms of the fines and things like that that's going to work because you know let's be honest if it was the fa the sfa the bulgarian fa 
La Liga, whoever it was, they're going to have £20,000 in their coffee table, in their, their back pockets. It's not a big fine. You could fine them millions of pounds, but then at the same time, that's going to make no difference to them whatsoever because they'll find that money. Maybe no in the in the bigger with the bigger teams, i.e. Bulgaria and everything like that. But at the same time, something radical has to change. I actually heard um, one of the the one of their players say the other night there that they should just be expelled from competitions to make this kind of behaviour stop and I fully I fully agree with that. I fully agree that something radical like that really has to happen because if it doesn't, then this kind of stuff is just going to go on and on and on and it's not going to change. But anyway, I'll leave that open to um open to a wee bit of debate as to how um people feel that they could uh, change things if they were in charge of UEFA, um how they would uh, how they would uh, change things and how they would uh, you know try and get these kind of things to stop right I've got to stop talking about that now that kind of brings me on swiftly on to kind of more things that are happening closer to home um, obviously Scotland had a pretty poor um, international break as is fair to say I covered this in a video um, on my YouTube channel detailing what I felt was probably the best thing um, how we could achieve a wee bit more uh, I'll really into this what I said I, th- I feel that the SFA are direly um, out of date you know they're just so outdated they're about 20-30 years in the past I feel that the prices are too high for the quality that's you know that's on the pitch I don't believe that the quality on the park is actually good enough to go out and spend your hard earned money to go and watch I think if you're going to have any form of success you have to really follow the German model of football just now and getting children involved in, in grassroots football straight away um, you know, from the time that they have that first interest up until, you know, that they're, they're in the game or they're in there about. Uh, I think that would probably be a good way to, to settle things. But unfortunately, you know, we're never going to know this just now until something is really done about it. So again, I'm going to leave that open to the floor as to how you would, how would you, if you were the president of the SFA, how would you go and um, really change things from grassroots level up to elite sport? What would you do that was different uh, and what would you do um, that was any different to what is being done now? Uh, right. Okay, guys, I've kind of spoken about, obviously I've spoken about football quite a bit and that is obviously what one of the main things that I'm going to do uh, during this podcast. But something else that I want to speak about just now and um, I feel it's quite a, an important thing to speak about too. Um I obviously said that I was going to do this for speaking about mental health as well. Anyone who knows me uh, and who knows my uh, my YouTube channel and things like that, and I've spoken about this quite a bit, I suffer from depression and anxiety. Uh, I'm not ashamed to admit it. You know, obviously I do, do suffer from these things, um, and it's hard. You know, you have good days. I have good days and bad. Um, depression and anxiety is not something that should ever be sort of joked about it's not something that should not be spoken about I think obviously now we're at an age and stage where mental health is becoming less of a taboo subject people are more willing to speak about it Um, and as I say I mean it's something that I feel we could be doing a lot more of 
uh, and a lot more to try and achieve uh, better well-being for all concerned. And that brings me on swiftly to um, a programme that I attended. I I, uh, went to a programme called The Changing Room uh, and that was a fantastic initiative. It's a 12-week programme designed to get men speaking about their mental health between the ages of 30 and 64. But, you know, trying to get men speaking about their mental health and trying to get them out of their shells a wee bit more um, because, obviously... Men don't really speak about things much. There is a big culture, there's a massive stigma attached to men and mental health um, in terms of, you know, men are kind of taught not to speak about things. Uh, they're not. They're taught not to cry, you know, big boys don't cry sort of thing was something that I used to hear quite a lot when I was growing up um, and something that I've, I've heard quite a lot, obviously, uh, since having my depression and anxiety as a oh, man up. And it's something that, that kind of thing is something that I just cannot abide by. Cannot abide by the fact that people are still using that phrase, you know, man up, give yourself a shake. I just think it's disgusting to say that to somebody with mental health. Um, but that's my opinion. Anyway, I'm going to get back to the changing room. The changing room is a it's a 12-week initiative uh, designed to get guys speaking about their mental health and... Um, it's a fantastic, fantastic programme. It uses football as the, the base and it uses football as the the the, the centre to try and get everybody to, to, to speak. And as I say, I attended the 12-week programme and I absolutely loved it. I, I was devastated when it finished. And, I mean, really, the, the work that goes on behind the scenes by Robert Nesbitt, Christopher Nicholson, you know, these two guys just are absolutely fantastic they're not paid enough for the amazing work that they do um they are just absolutely fantastic and they these guys are the the two kind of people that got me speaking about my mental health a lot more than what i ever did before they were absolutely amazing so i'm going to leave you know a wee bit of advice if you are struggling with mental health no matter what that could be you know First things first, go and try and speak to your doctors before you make any kind of decisions. If you are put on, for example, antidepressants or anything like that, try and give it a go. But explore different, be open-minded. Explore different avenues. Some people will take the tablets, some people will exercise, some people like myself will go to groups and talk and everything like that. Everybody's different. Um, But... Please keep an open mind about things. And as I say, if you are struggling, you know, go and speak about things. Go and seek help. You know, don't do things that are that are negative and, and everything like that. Because again, I've been guilty of that as well, having negative thoughts and, um, you know, things like that. And it's not something that I'm proud of. Um, and it's not something that I'm ashamed of either. Um, but, you know, just go and try and speak to people about your mental health and your mental state and if you are being offered help try to take it i know it's difficult for people to to accept help at times but the help is it the help help will always be given to those who ask for it that's a philosophy that i live by um and it's something that i feel that we could all learn from as well so Anyway, I'm going to leave that there just now. I, I really do hope you've enjoyed listening to my first ever podcast. Uh, as I say, I'm going to try and do this as weekly as, pos- as 
this weekly as possible. Shut up, Stephen. I'm going to try and do this every week uh, and going to try and make it as informative as possible. As I say, it's not always going to be about one thing. I'm going to try and speak about things that are different in there as well. And I just really want people to try and understand that, you know, what I'm trying to achieve here. Um, but as I say, if you've, you know, you like the podcast, fantastic. You know, please, please, please give it a listen, give it a share, and we'll see how we go from there, everybody. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening, and I will see you all next time. <laughs>